0: How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown,
1: short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the That's low right, line yes.
0: by Dowdy. Cheer for uh kind of like it. And
1: on the right wing side here is Taboli, shoots, he's
0: he gone!
1: Oh! Oh! Well Battling through it, corner away. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All right, so we clearly took our time um, wrapping up the King's season, but to be fair, they didn't try a whole lot in that series, so it's not like we should rush to be on time for them. It's been like a week since they were eliminated, but it's fine.
0: We didn't have to like quickly do a podcast because they had to go into the second round because they are out.
1: To go back a little bit, we will talk a bit a little a little bit about how the King's season ended. So to go back. They lost game five, 6-3. It was a little bit of a disappointing loss because they'd gone down early and then come back to tie it. So I was like suddenly like, yes, they can win this game and at least force game six. Um, But then they didn't do that. And they (laughs) blew it. (laughs) Hardcore.
0: Yeah, I definitely was a... uh, I I had hope, you know, in in there. Like they looked good. They looked like they could do it. And then for whatever reason, it just kind of fell apart. And that was just super disappointing.
1: I mean, I guess it was ultimately a little deceiving. I mean, and a little indicative of that entire series to me where it seemed like they couldn't really get a handle on things until they were down. And then they would come back, you know, basically playing score effects hockey. And so they would manage to tie it or whatnot. Um, but then they just couldn't finish. And I think they would have been able to finish had they been playing well, but they weren't playing like themselves this entire series for whatever reason. They hit a cold streak after they clinched, and could not climb out of it.
0: Yeah, that was the opposite of what we wanted. We were so excited about, just like in the regular season, them not falling like during the wintertime when they usually do. They didn't do their like little yeah. hibernation thing. But I guess we didn't look ahead and think about the, the, the fact that they would always have to have a hibernation session and that it would happen during the playoffs that was terrible.
1: I do think in 2013, like, they had it was a pretty tough run for them. They didn't score a lot, um, and I think in a lot of those series, what helped get them to the Western Conference Final, even though they, I think in those series, they were taking a lot of shots and stuff, is that Jonathan Quick was playing really, really well in 2013, and he was not very good in this series against the Sharks, or at least he was not outstanding in this series against the Sharks, because there were some games where they, you know, they only lost, like, 2-1 or 3-2, which is not terrible, but he wasn't amazing and he couldn't save them from their scoring rows their scoring woes and their defensive mistakes so they ended up getting taken out a lot earlier and so um i mean maybe that means next year it'll be another year where they kind of have things together a little bit more but but we'll see unfortunately that means a super early playoff exit for them now
0: yeah that's that's what's always nice about the kings is that we always gripe about the fact that none of the players are at their best at the same time. Yeah. Um, But like you said, Jonathan Quick bailed them out in 2013, and here, when he wasn't as great, it should have been on the, you know, on the shoulders of the Fords to score some
1: goals, and that did not happen. Right. And honestly, that was kind of how the series started in 2014 against the Sharks, where... You know, inexplicably, they allowed a bunch of goals, and Jonathan Quick was kind of a mess in those first two games. Um, And then he got it together a little bit, and the team also helped score more, particularly in the series against the Sharks. So I remember they were kind of a little bit shaky in the first couple games against the Ducks, where it seemed like for for that entire series, the road team was stronger until the very end of it. Um, But... Unfortunately, like you said, like they just couldn't bail Jonathan Quick out when he wasn't at his best, and there wasn't kind of like that trade-off of like, well, I'll pick up your slack, kind of thing. Everybody was just kind of cold at the same time, and and people were like, well, their de- their defense has been suspect all season, and it's like they have tried a lot of guys and a lot of things to cycle through, but like, let's not gloss over the fact that like the Kings, this series, like they've won more games than they ever won in franchise history, so they were still a very good team. I just think. You know they hit a cold patch and they couldn't come out of it, and it cost them. And they were also playing against a sharks team that was really good.
0: Um, It was just frustrating because, yeah, this was their best season, and they they just they were a good team. They just couldn't find their footing, and you could see them try, and you could see like the elements there, but it just like never came together. And I think that was the most frustrating part. It's like one thing if you sneak into the playoffs or something like that, and you know that there's injuries or you know they weren't that great or what have you, but the team was excellent and you could just see them struggling and trying and knowing that like the potential is there, but them not being able to like figure it out was probably the most frustrating part. The loss is, you know, whatever it it, it happens. But the fact that, you know, I, I honestly thought that they would go on to the Stanley cup final, like not as a, as a homer pick or anything like that, but I thought the team had a potential to do that. And, Like to to be at that level of thinking that they had everything together, you know, everything was clicking, and then to, for that to fall apart was probably the most frustrating yeah. It was part.
1: it was disappointing, and I think um, I think it's fine to say that too. Of course, I get caught at least I do like in these emotions where I'm like, it was bad, but I guess I'm not supposed to be sad about it <laughs> um, because whatever they kind of earned this early loss or whatever. I don't know, I don't know. Um, but like, let's be honest. I'm a Kings fan. I'm not a Sharks fan. I have a lot of respect for Sharks players, and if they go on to win more series, whatever, like, whatever for them, I'm glad they're happy with themselves. But I'm not a Sharks <laughs> fan. So for me, it was very disappointing to watch a Kings team who I who were a lot of fun. I think even in this season. A, probably up until they traded for guys they didn't really need or guys they thought they needed and didn't end up helping them as much as they wanted to. Um, They were a fun team to watch, and so it was disappointing to see that team lose that flair and then also hit this rough patch where they couldn't figure themselves out. Um, A disappointing end to what started out as a super promising season.
0: Yeah, that buildup was there, and... uh... Out with a whimper, yeah, and not a pretty much, you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's rough. Um, and yet, somehow, going into the off season, as other teams continue to play, the Kings managed to stay in the news because suddenly, a team that is not known for individual like accolades, nominated for a bunch of awards this season. How?
0: Four awards have Kings players in them. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: it's so strange okay so just to go through all of them and then I guess we could talk a little bit about each one um the one everybody was kind of expecting was the Norris Trophy and it happened that the the finalists are Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty, and Brent Burns which I thought was a pretty good surprise I mean I thought the third one should be Brent Burns but I didn't know if that's what writers and stuff would actually pick but it is and so um that crop of people is pretty much as expected and and Decent, I think. Um, a lot of people will debate Drew Daddy, but whatever. He's nominated for the dang. Oh, he's a finalist for the award. So
0: yeah, I think it's. I think it's funny because there was a whole push this particular year for Doughty for Norris, and you know, but he just was kind of shit, especially during the playoffs. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. yeah, he was
1: super disappointing during the playoffs. I think though, and I mean, ugh, I hate to talk about. I get frustrated talking about Drew Dowdy, obviously, but we've talked about our our problems with him in general. So assume they still apply. I'm going to talk about Dowdy, the player, for a second. And say one thing that I did find kind of annoying with the recurring Norris debate is that people – well, it just made it super clear to me how limited um, our knowledge of what defense – like individual defensive contributions are and how to measure them because you can't really, like, people kind of got stuck, even really smart stats people, in just talking about points. And it would be like, Eric Carlson has set a historic season and, you know, no defenseman has scored this many points since some past decade. I don't remember the year. But it was also like at the same time Brent Burns was, I think, I mean, the last time I checked, I don't know exactly where they finished, but it was like six points behind Eric Carlson. So like, yeah, he set a record, but it's like also there was this other dude who was right up there. And so I think for me it's like when you have guys that are that close, even if you think the top two finalists should be um, uh, Carlson and not Drew Doughty, like, or Carlson and Burns and not Drew Doughty, that you should still then probably look a little deeper at the defensive contributions of those two players. Um, And people weren't really doing that. And then I think because they were so vehemently against Drew Doughty, the player winning the award, because let's be honest, people also didn't really bring up any of the other reasons to object to him. They... Kind of went like total extreme in the other direction and we're trying to make it seem like Drew Dowdy was not, in fact, a good defenseman, which is yeah. also not true. So everybody was kind of ridiculous and frustrating. I'm just kind of glad it'll ultimately be over very soon, because I think everybody kind of was not at the best or smartest version of themselves.
0: It's kind of crazy, because, I mean, I'm saying now that he had a shit year, and he don't, he doesn't deserve it this year. He really doesn't. Yeah, no, I, yeah, but I agree. But to, like, go out of your way to try to paint him as a bad defenseman, I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like, please He chill. had a down season. He's still one of the best defensemen in the NHL, <laughs> like use other reasons, but not the fact that he's a bad defenseman. That just makes no right. sense. Right.
1: Like, I think it's totally possible to say you don't think he should be top three without being, like, he doesn't even contribute that much to his own team. Because he did. Like, it is still true that he has actually scored more points himself than he has in the past. Like, he has outpaced himself in that way. A lot of them were on the power play, which is kind of funny. Um, but still, it happened. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I just I just found, I just found the whole conversation super, super strange.
0: It was like a very selective look at Drew Doughty.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think like it defensemen was very in general, like the conversation, just got really narrow in a way that I thought we had moved past, <laughs> but apparently not.
0: No, we haven't.
1: <laughs> anyway, so that's that award, um, and I—I th- I mean, I think they'll probably give it to Carlson, and if they give it to Drew Doughty, I think people will be outraged. So we'll see what happens. I
0: will—I per- will personally be outraged, <laughs> yeah. like. That just you should get an award for, you know, something that you've done. Like this this is not his year.
1: I, and I think even the argument, and I feel like slightly differently about Kopitar, actually, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um there are other people that are like, well, maybe it's more of like a legacy award because he's done so much in his career. Um, that maybe it's his turn kind of thing. But I'm like, he's young enough that he could if <laughs> like if he really invested in Drew Doughty winning a Norris, he there are there's still time for him to have an outstanding year and actually deserve it because he's not old so yeah. yeah
0: he's he's not past his prime by any means he's not gonna retire soon right right he's, you know still got plenty of years under him so this isn't yeah some player on the brink of retiring or who's had like one too many injuries and like who knows what's going to be up with them but your daddy's fine like give it give it to him some other year
1: um okay so the other awards uh probably somehow more controversial than the norris is yeah. the vesna <laughs> Um, The finalists, Braden Holtby, why does
0: Jonathan Quick always get himself into these <laughs> yeah. things. Why is like why is there never a time when I'm not reading some ridiculous article about Jonathan Quick and whether he's good and whether he's elite? I thought I thought we were no, past this. We're never I thought past the season it. was over and this was done. But no,
1: the funniest part to that conversation to me is that occasionally like when the Kings are randomly on national television and people watch them and Jonathan Quick is playing, people will be like, I wonder why Jonathan Quick never gets that much flack for how he is as a goaltender. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This conversation happens every two months. (laughs) People want to talk about how not elite Jonathan Quick is. It's actually played out. (laughs) Um, And yet... We're back again because now he is nominated for the Vesna along with Brayden Holpe and Ben Bishop. And I was surprised. I'll be honest. I was very surprised that he got that nomination. I was too. I think it would have been less surprising if, like I had wanted, he had kept his save percentage above 920. But when the team went cold at the end of the season, it did drop. Um, and so he finished with a 918, which is not impressive on paper. But it did make me wonder if a lot of people somehow – for whatever reason, just kind of got rid of that recency sort of bias, which is which I don't really expect from a lot of people who cover the NHL. I expect them to be <laughs> super influenced by the most recent thing that happened. Um, but the truth is, Jonathan Quick was actually very strong. I don't know if he was still in the top three, but I, it made more sense to me maybe that people were looking at him and being like, oh, dang, Like he's having a, a good year. Um, because up until the end... It was. Like, it was pretty dope. He was playing – he was having a good season. uh, But he did not finish strong.
0: (laughs) No, not at all.
1: Some people who – I mean, okay, here's the interesting thing, is I sort of sorted, like, the different save percentages for people. And it's funny because I think people still sort of base the goaltending on wins, which is weird because that's a team stat. And um, when you look at save percentages, especially even strength – so at even strength, the top three goaltenders this season were Steve Mason – with 54 games played, um, he was number one. Uh And with a 936, or 937 if you round up a little bit, um, Lundqvist, who in 65 games had a 937, and Roberto Longo, who in 62 games had a 935. And it's interesting that none of those people got any kind of recognition, because I think all of them, maybe maybe not Mason, I have to look again, but most of them... um, like Luongo and Longquist are still sort of up top when you just sort by overall save percentage too. Jonathan Quick, overall he was 18th among goaltenders who had played at least 2000 minutes, I think is what I had sorted by. At 5v5, he was a 920 a 929 and he was 12th among those goaltenders and shorthanded he was 9th with an uh 872. Which sure <laughs> Um, that's okay. <laughs> but it's not, like, nominated for a Vesna type of numbers. I am also interested because, like, they nominated Braden Holtby, I think also based on wins and games played. And he had better numbers than Jonathan Quick. He was seventh in even strength percentage with a uh, 931 and then ben bishop was 10th and jonathan quick was like i said 12th so it's interesting that they picked these guys who technically come below some other people partially on the number of wins that their team had but then also um because they had played more than a guy like you know steve mason only played 54 games and so i guess people factor in like if he had played 12 more games maybe that's different which i think is fair to a certain extent like it factors in a little bit, but I think even with factoring that in, I don't understand how you're like, well, Jonathan Quick belongs in these top three because he did play more games, but he was he, his numbers were still so much lower than some other people. Like, why not Luongo, who had also at least played 60-something games? Or Lundquist, who had played 65?
0: I think that just goes to show that there is some complex algorithm that no one understands. And probably people the people who choose... The Vesna nominees don't understand either. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they're just like, well, it
0: feels at this point, right. <laughs> I think it's just like, yeah, exactly. I honestly think that that's what it is. And do the numbers sort of back it up? Like my feelings and like the eye test of who I thought was good? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Like, no, I don't think they're going to sort by, you know, who has the best stats or who has the better save percentage or wins or anything like that. It's just like, well, this is what
1: feels right. I honestly think that's, at this point, that's what I it think is. probably, especially with goaltender and then you know maybe to some extent defenseman yeah. too, where we don't have where our knowledge of like what makes a good goaltender or what makes a good defenseman is so still so limited that it's like well they they look pretty good on in the numbers, I have a lot of fun watching them, their team seems to appreciate them, they deserve it <laughs> I guess <laughs> which um which actually like I think the NHL awards should probably be expanded because I think if when you have just like just these performance-based things, um, people do get wrapped up in like, well, the numbers say that this person was the best, and that's fine because it's, I guess, what you're looking—you know, it's what you're looking for—is the person who performed the best. But I also feel like maybe you should expand it because there should be a little bit more room for awards that are less predictable, if that makes sense. Highlight reel type of stuff or ways to ways to like appreciate these guys that are maybe not totally based on the best numbers but I mean I don't know I I don't even know entirely but I do think it's super just uh, such a small amount of awards and people get lost in the bait of like offensive defensemen or defensive defensemen and I think we should add all those awards because I think more awards is probably better (laughs) and more exciting for people
0: do you think that would save the NHL awards like broadcast that's an
1: entirely different problem
0: (laughs) (laughs) because that's also a problem that it would, I assume, lengthen the uh,
1: the broadcast and lengthen people's general yeah. Misery, I think uh, I think at it. least from the awards side. So it's so it'd be like even if you didn't watch the awards itself, like people follow stuff on Twitter and whatnot. At least you wouldn't be able to probably predict who was going to win every single thing. And I mean, in in a lot of award shows, there are cases where it's like. Like in entertainment, it's like if you win the Golden Globe, you're probably going to win the Oscar kind of thing. So people expect a certain amount of stuff, but I still think there is, it would add room for more surprises if there were more categories that seemed more subjective, I guess.
0: Yeah, like the best, like highlight real goal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it's worth it personally. I think awards are so pointless anyway that why not make them more fun? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than, yeah, than arguing over true. numbers <laughs>
0: that's true just have something exciting for that we can all talk about yeah
1: basically i like, would much rather like see funniest football.
0: injury or you know like right now i'm thinking of oh, who was it someone on the wilds like zucker or something who at one point got um someone's stick between both his skates oh yeah like he yeah. was just there stuck, and I'm like, that should get, like, some sort of award, right? And not just <laughs> right. me patting him on the back,
1: for getting for somehow making that happen. Yeah, like, most get something. most memorable blooper or something. I just think, like, yeah. throw <laughs> random things like that in. Because I also would have much more fun watching people argue over the best, like, highlight reel, like, wrist shot or something than the same stats over and over. Over and over. Right. All season. <laughs> so... <laughs> At the same time, I'm also going to be super excited if, for whatever reason, Andrzej Kopitar wins the Selkie, which he is nominated for again. I would love it if he won it.
0: Do you think he will?
1: No. I don't see why not. I mean, I I think he could. I think it's kind of a situation with, like, the Norris, where it's like, people, well, he's been nominated and hasn't won for so long that they finally give it to him kind of thing. And I think he was very good, I mean, he didn't start out great with the season, but I think he finished really strong. Um, And so I think he is deserving of an award, but I don't know necessarily if he's more deserving than Patrice Bergeron, who was consistently probably the best defensive forward in the league, if that makes sense. But
0: what if it's this year? I don't know. I also feel weird about, not that I wouldn't love it, um, and I feel like this sounds terrible because other people don't make the playoffs, but the Kings were boosted so early in the first round. I'm like it feels weird to get any other award maybe because i expect so much from the team and then seeing that fail and then still someone getting an award it just feels strange to right, me. right i don't know like I, I feel like they should have gone farther where you know like bergeron didn't even make it into the playoffs. so yeah um and if he won the award i wouldn't be mad at it but it's just one of those things where i'm like oh kubatar won how awesome oh the kings had a right.
1: terrible. Like, <laughs> if you're first so exit. good why didn't you make it to the yeah. second round <laughs>
0: So, but I guess Kessler, same deal. You know, he didn't make it to the second round either. True,
1: true, yeah. And like you said, like, you know, like Bergeron, his team did make the playoffs. Carlson's team did make the playoffs. I, I don't really know. I mean, technically those awards are supposed to be regular season awards, so I don't really know how yeah. much it matters. Um, but I do understand that feeling. And I'm also, and I also understand the feeling of, like, if these are supposed to be Year by year awards, then you should be the best that year. But at the same time, I don't, I theoretically don't mind giving legacy awards to players if they have just been consistently good. But I think it depends on the players and the category. And I think Selkie is something where they, like, they did randomly give it to Jonathan Taves a year for some reason. Um, So I would also, even though I would understand people being like, but Bergeron is the best forward, I would fucking love it (laughs) if Ajay (laughs) Kovacar won the Selkie.
0: Agreed. I mean, I'm saying that I have a a weird feeling about it, but that doesn't mean that I won't also personally throw a party.
1: Right, yeah. I'd be like, high fives, he deserved it, he's amazing. (laughs) wonderful take I like time.
0: how you say high five like it wouldn't just be like us like in our separate rooms just, like <laughs> high-fiving
1: ourselves <just> like yeah <laughs> basically but I would you still did it Kobe. feel great about it <laughs> true very oh true. man he's also nominated for the Lady Bing which um which I wasn't expecting I don't know I never think about the Lady Bing but he's nominated for that and I think that one he actually does have a pretty good shot at winning
0: yeah why not uh he's against Barkov and Louis Erickson yeah, yeah, but you're right that Lady Bank is not something I ever think about. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't really think about it. But looking at the numbers, both Barkov and Eriksson had more goals than Kopitar, but Kopitar had more points and played um, most of the season. I think uh, Eriksson technically did play all 82 games, but like I said, he has less points um, and is not as integral to the team as Andre Kopitar is. Um, so I think... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't win it, because I think this is kind of close, but I also feel like it's so close that it could go to anybody, and it might, you know, it could be Gobitar, so we'll see.
0: (laughs) I actually have a reason to care about the awards this year. Yeah. Yeah. And his name is
1: Andre Gobitar. That's pretty True. Um, yeah, like, I don't think Jonathan Quick is going to win the Vesna, though I would oh, love it. I would... No, be, no,
0: I would not love I it. How love many it. more articles would we read? How many more People articles? People would be
1: so salty, though. I would drown in oh. it. I think, like, it would... I, I, as much as I don't like seeing that conversation happen again, I think this time having having won something in order to s- inspire that conversation would make it okay. <laughs> it would make it at least funnier because people will be so pressed and I think that's, that's true. hilarious
0: it, it is it is funny seeing
1: people mad about the
0: case. they're so
1: mad I do like that they're so mad. Blackhawks fans are so mad that Corey Crawford got snubbed in the vesna thing it's It's so good. <laughs> it's so good um yeah and especially as like i said someone who thinks awards are ridiculous and don't really mean anything anyway at least let me drown in people's saltiness about it fair enough um so yeah so that's the awards thing and i'm very surprised that the kings are up for four awards we will see if they win any of them they could lose all four um that's true but it would be kind of interesting if they did win, especially because now as like you said as a team, they haven't really done a whole lot in the postseason. They have one playoff win in the last 2 years, which is not great.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, when you put it like that, it just <laughs> that's even more depressing. <laughs> God.
1: It's disappointing, but that's where we're at with the Los Angeles Kings at the moment. This offseason they have a lot of stuff to deal with, including a bunch of expiring contracts, um kind of a long list I will read some of it mostly the guys who are actually in the NHL because there's some AHL guys who are also up anyway Milan Lucic obviously Christopher Stieg Trevor Lewis Luke Shen Jamie McBain Jonas Enroth Jeff Schultz and um Brett Sutter who is I'll only mentioned because he's not an RFA like the other guys who are left like Braden McNabb is also up but he's an RFA and I think they're going to qualify him I don't see why they wouldn't um so I'm not really worried about him. But other guys, do you think of any of these other UFAs who are up, the Kings will keep any of them?
0: I can imagine that they're going to try to keep Lucic, especially considering he really wants to stay. He,
1: I mean, he said all season that he really likes it in Los Angeles, which I find interesting, but he has, like, doubled down on it <laughs> since the Kings yeah. have been eliminated. His quotes His quotes are pretty good, actually, um, during clean out and stuff. He said, To be honest, I don't really have much interest in hitting the open market or even hearing what's out there. Because in my mind, this is where I want to be. Why flirt with something when you know what you want? Which is so intense.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know why. It, he could have used any other word but flirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, that makes this quote extremely charming to me. It's like
1: super romantic out of nowhere. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. It's like, I found my match. Um, I don't need to go out there and like play the field or anything. Uh, I just want to put a ring on it, and that's about it. Yeah,
1: basically. And he kind of doubled down on that by saying, I just hope moving forward we can get something done and I can be an L.A. King for the rest of my career because that's what I truly want. So it's he's not just like, I would like to come back for a couple years. He's like, let's do this.
0: I would like to retire here and <laughs> yeah. stay here and whatever happens, like, let me still be here. He, Which is... yeah. I love when people love the Kings.
1: I, I yeah, I think it's dope that he wants to stay here. I'm always excited. But I, I am also like, dude, you spent a year here. But, I mean, apparently they made a really good impression. <laughs> he really wants to be in Los Angeles. Um, he wants to get married. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, we'll see if it happens. He is not
0: afraid of commitment, <laughs> yeah. and he is ready to do it.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, and he said that the kings, that the numbers aren't far apart. We don't know what they are yet, but we'll, um, we'll see, I guess, if they can make it happen. It seems like the kings want to. He wants to. He was, what, $6 million coming in? So yeah. I wonder if he'll take a cut, which has happened with some players in the past, or um, if he decides he doesn't want to. It's kind of well, an interesting question mark.
0: I think it'll work out. I, th- I think they'll they'll find a happy medium uh, for the both of them.
1: What I hope... for the,
0: I mean, the, the Kings of the Luj- and Luigi Right,
1: right. What I hope is if they find a number that they don't do... the the term is okay uh, because I think that is the part that's sort of bitten them in the butt up to this point is like now and I think you know in order to keep Luchich they got to figure out what to do with some of the other people they're playing namely unfortunately Dustin Brown um Mm -hmm. who costs a lot of money and who at this point is like a third line role player which is fine if he was not what is it, Five point eight, 6.8 million dollars, <laughs> whatever they're yeah. paying him, that's just way too much for that, so the Kings have a problem, and they are, I think, I'm. I'm like sad, that is the only part actually of the Kings going out early, other than just like, I have fun watching them play, and I want them to win, but the part about them going out that makes me actually sad <laughs> is that I have to say goodbye to Dustin Brown, probably.
0: Yeah, it definitely puts him it endangers his position on the Kings if the Kings don't do well. Yeah. And that is not good. Yeah.
1: And so I think it's hard for them. It's difficult for them to justify keeping that contract as it is, but especially if he's not performing outstanding and the team is not performing outstanding. And I think we might see him move. And, um, John Hoven in Mayor's Manor has already written a little bit about this and he thinks that the Kings in order to trade that contract would have to probably package it with some other players um he said like Pearson or prospects like Forbert or Kempe um I don't think the Kings want to give up Adrian Kempe so I don't see that happening I don't think it makes sense for them to get rid of Tanner Pearson but we'll yeah. see I guess on that um
0: there's been plenty of nonsensical trades, so. Right, yeah.
1: They, who knows? They, they can on do that do anything. Regard. And I mean, um, if they really, they need that cap space, so it it might come down to a, like a have to do it kind of thing more than a want yeah. to or think it's the best. <laughs> it's just best under right. those circumstances, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, difficult.
0: I also think, of course, that they should keep Trevor Lewis. Yeah. I, th- um, I think es- they will, especially since he always he always is voted by his own teammates as what is it like the most underrated player or whatever yeah, it is, unsung hero. Yeah, Un- yeah, unsung hero. I mean, we sing all the time, right? <laughs> uh, we let we let Taylor Swift sing about him <laughs> all the time. But uh, with that, there's there's something there's obviously something else there, and I think I think that they're gonna keep him.
1: I think they will too. I think like Trevor Lewis is obviously not a huge goal scorer, but I think he's a really good defensive player, and he's fast, which the Kings need more of. I think that was one of the things mm-hmm. that's one of the areas where I think they still get exposed is, you know, if a team decides they want to play a speed game and they can keep it up, which I think the Sharks did during certain stretches of that series, the Kings get lost. And so I think they've got to keep guys who are fast and also good defensively because how many of them are there at this point who can play yeah. both their very intense defensive system and also keep up. Right. Um, yeah. So I think, assuming he's not asking for some crazy raise, which why would he? I mean, I don't know how much Trevor Lewis fetches on an open market. I think I think he'll probably stay.
0: Yeah, I do too. I, I can't I can't imagine that he's going to make some unbelievable demand. I think he knows his worth and his role. Right. Yeah. And well, like you know sign accordingly Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I think um he'll probably stick around so I guess of all those UFA people he's the one who I'm like yeah he's he's coming back um and I think Milan Lucic strong possibility if if they can deal Dustin Brown's contract and make the money work um because of course Andre Kopitar's new contract kicks in next season also so some decision making um the other UFAs I don't think people are coming back and I super hope I think it's I think there's a possibility they can bring back that they'll try to bring back Lucian if they absolutely can't think of other options on defense. But they super should not. <laughs> please don't. I was gonna say, look harder. <laughs> yeah. Find more options. <laughs> Turn over every rock, please. Because I he's he's so even early in the season, I was like, well, if he can absorb stuff and make progress. It'll be worth it. He's only in his mid-20s. But it seemed like even though he played half of a season with the Kings, he never seemed to make any strides. His decisions never really got any stronger. He still can't really make a pass.
0: We are not for him
1: coming back at all. In the offseason, do you want to see them... Would you want to see them make plays for people elsewhere in the NHL? Or would you be more inclined... Like, Do you have enough confidence in the guys who who are prospects in the system to bring them up next season?
0: I would be more inclined to bring people up. It's worked in the past where we've brought people in, and it's worked. Uh, it did not work this year yeah. uh, with the trade deadline and everything like that. And I, I like to give people a shot first. Like, stick with the people who have been in your system and know what your team wants to do. And give them a go. If it doesn't work out, fine. But I don't see why you need to immediately bring in someone from the outside like promote from from within the company first and then if that's not working out maybe look elsewhere but i vote giving people you know a chance
1: i think so too i think uh particularly if i mean they don't brag a whole lot but they seem super confident in their development system so i think if you are constantly like really into the way that you develop players it's time i think at this point to give them a shot you're you're cap strapped I think bring up prospects that you have who you think might be ready or could spend the first half of the season learning to compete at the NHL level. Continue to look for some other unrestricted UFAs coming out of, like, college or who went possibly undrafted or I don't know, whatever. Uh, But I think, yeah, it's time to let some young dudes into the team and see if your development system is actually what you think it is beyond, like, players who you kind of had high expectations on already, like Tyler Devoli. So, So yeah I would I would like to see some young guys come in as well um of the people who are in the system right now who who do you want to see on the roster even if it's not to start the season because they don't they don't seem to like to start the season with a whole lot of new people eventually who do you want to see play on the Kings next season
0: I like Michael Mersch so yeah. I would really like to see him play mm-hmm. um he's probably the only person right now that I think I don't know is ready slash I would like to see
1: I do want to see Mersh um I think I think Nick Dowd was fun for the little bit that he played. I think he does really well in the AHL, so I would like to see him get a shot. I don't know if like he doesn't have to be on the opening night roster. Um, Kevin Gravel, I think. He's older, oh, yeah. and he was solid when he was up with the Kings. So I think if you're don't, if you're not if you not going to re-sign like a Jamie McBain or a Luke Shen, why not let that dude come in and try his hand? He's been in the system longer. They've kept him around, so apparently they trust him so far to execute that system pretty well let him come up and fill that extra role assuming you're also going to have like Matt Green back and whatnot so Mersh, Gravel um and Adrian Kempe I want to see play some games <laughs> in the NHL <laughs> so those are my those are my top three I think for next season
0: so the Kings have options they're not completely like lacking in people that they can promote and especially with the kind of like people that they have to resign and all of the cap stuff that's going on Um, I think it's easier this way than trying to finagle someone from the outside and also how to pay them. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, also Derek Forbert I think should get a shot. I don't know what the hell they're doing with Derek Forbert. Like, they don't seem inclined to leave him on the NHL roster, but he kind of has hung around the system since he was drafted. It's been a long time. (laughs) Make a decision on Derek Forbert, please. Yeah. Um, Either he's with the club or you trade him. I don't know, but let's make something happen there. And... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's time to bring in young guys, too. I think it's interesting because the Kings don't really have any superstars in their prospect pool because of how much they've been winning. They get lower draft picks, and they've traded their firsts um, the last couple of seasons. So, like, this year in the draft, I think they have three, and they may get one back. So it's not very much, and they're all late-around picks. Uh, and and so they gotta they got to work a little bit of magic and hope that they have these role players who are so strong in in their identity and whatever role the Kings need them to play, that they can fill those holes. And I think the system, you know, Daryl Sutter's system has proven that it can make a lot of guys who are not individually great look a lot better um, as long as they keep it simple and execute it. So I'm not overly worried, especially for the not next next season. Um, And I think if the Kings keep their first for 17 and 18, um, then they can start maybe to pull in some superstars or at least some higher Talent level people, so we will see. I think there's a lot of potential for them to retool smartly, and I just hope they do it.
0: Yeah, that they're smart about it and not. No more old guys is another thing that I would like to just yell out into the ether as as much and as often as I can.
1: I'm not interested in dudes looking for a second chance anymore. (laughs) I'm just not really into it unless they are. The numbers just say they are a a beast. Like I think it was good that they took a chance on Earhoff. It didn't really work out. That was nice. I liked that they brought in Chris Stieg. So I think guys who have been very consistent and whatnot, like, that's fine. Bring those people in if you want to. But I don't think that should be what their focus is anymore because I think they should start thinking about prolonging their their championship window rather than going all in like they have done the last couple seasons, which is fine, but it didn't work out. So start thinking about the future a little more. Yeah. One thing, though, that could affect – Mm, it won't affect it this season, but it could affect 2017, is the NHL, they're still actively negotiating the possibility of an expansion draft and what the rules are. Interesting developments. No movement clauses have to be protected. No trade clauses exempt. So that's an interesting thing because you have some guys, like I don't, I don't like Dustin Brown, I don't know if he has I don't think he has a no movement clause. I think he has like a limited no trade clause. So mm-hmm. technically, I mean, they're probably going to get rid of him this year, so it doesn't matter for next year. But if it was next year and the expansion draft was happening, they could leave someone like him exposed, and then maybe that contract gets picked up, and then the Kings don't worry about it. Would be a possibility, I think, by those rules, if I'm remembering everything right. So that's interesting, if a little fucked up <laughs> for the players.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of uh, that's weird because I, I mean, there's I'm sure there's players that want to actively leave their club, um, but. The, the weird, I don't know, I've, I've, I find it very bizarre. Uh, people like a new team just picking and choosing from other teams and like your team obviously not pro- like choosing not to protect you and being like, oh, OK, cool. Right. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> just,
1: right. just let me go. <laughs> not a big deal. Sure. Guess I'm not that important. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's then it's like rough because at m- maximum, if two teams come in, then it's possible every team will lose two players at max. But that's not the, the full number of people you leave exposed. So, like, then is it awkward? I mean, it's been a while since the last expansion draft. I wasn't watching hockey regularly the last time there was an expansion draft. So I don't know. Like, Is it ever weird in clubs when it's like, you left me exposed, but guess what? I'm still here. So <laughs> is that awkward?
0: I'm sure they have a talk, and I'm sure if they look at, like, the other people that were protected, it's like, you know that makes sense, right? Like, right. You, you gotta, you gotta protect them. Yeah, that's where, as an organization, right.
1: you have to be on top of like your bedside manner, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> you mean a lot to us, but we just we have to leave some guys open. So we hope you yeah. stay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. I find it I'm kind of excited for the idea of an expansion draft. Um
0: Me too. I really am.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun if, if there is an expansion draft. I hope there is. I would love to see it I mean, I don't really care about two new teams, but I just want all of the hoopla around it. <laughs> I think that would be fun to watch happen.
0: I'd also be really interested to see like the inception of a team and and what they do and you know, obviously the league's been around for a bit, they've seen the mistakes that other teams have made. Yeah. Uh how they go about like their business. Like I th- I think that'd be fascinating to see how, you know, what sort of missteps that they'll like avoid um and how they choose to market or do any of those things. So I find that part kind of fascinating as well.
1: Yeah, I I can't wait to see if when other teams come into the league what what philosophies they adopt you know because you're kind I mean you're you have the option to possibly get some good players at the same time it's like all right you have a certain amount of players probably they're not going to be in most cases top six guys obviously so who do you pick how do you figure out who are you know the best of what is offered to you and what is yeah what is your strategy going forward in order to make your team better um like, do you acquire some of those guys and then immediately try to trade some of them? Like, what is that like, yeah. especially that for those first couple years?
0: It'd be really cool to see. It. I want it to happen.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. So I hope it, it comes to fruition. Nothing is official yet. Obviously, they think if um, a quote from an article was saying a source close to the situation told TSN, if an expansion announcement is made, it will probably become it will probably come mid May. So we might find out find out very soon um, if something is going to happen, but we don't know. Oh, an interesting thing I forgot to mention is in addition to the no movement clause, no trade clause thing, um, there is an exemption for second-year pros. So that means for, like, if this was happening this season, guys like Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel would be protected, um, which I find also fascinating. But cool. I mean, if you get if you just got a franchise player, you probably don't want to have to worry about if you're going to leave him exposed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Over some guys, you're already paying a lot of money to be top six guys. But So th- so there's that as well.
0: Smart. Fair.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. So I'm... I'm I think there are a lot of things to look forward to in the offseason, even though the Kings were disappointing in the postseason. I'm still watching other series. Have you been paying attention to any other stuff that's going on?
0: I have been. Um, it's it's kind of nice because uh, with the Kings, I'm always like, all right, got to watch the Kings game. And now every night I'm just kind of like, ooh, which team is <laughs> right, you watch yeah. today? What's
1: happening?
0: And I don't have to worry too much. Um, I'm pretty heavily watching the Capitals-Penguins. Um, and I'm watching Dallas Blues. Those are basically the two series that I'm kind of really keeping up on.
1: I have watched some of almost every season, or every series, I should say. Capitals Penguins, I think, in the second round is probably the one that I am most excited about still, and yeah. the one that has been surprisingly messy. Like, I think the Capitals are kind of I mean, they're they're not – they're known as a team that can be physical, but I feel like they have turned it up to the point where, like, in the first two games – there have only been two games – and Tom Wilson got fined for a knee. Mm-hmm. And then in the second game, Brooks Orpic like, destroyed Ole Mata. So, yep. so it's been s- dirtier than I expected.
0: <laughs> I hate the whole, well, it's the
1: playoffs, so
0: – I hate you know, that too. Everything's more lenient, and I'm like, that's – no, that's not what, how it should be. <laughs>
1: somebody pointed out, and I don't remember who it was because I don't have it in front of me. But somebody pointed out that in Brendan Shanahan's first year in the Department of Player Safety during the playoffs, there were something like thirteen or fourteen suspensions, and since then it has steadily declined, which is not the direction you really want to be going in. Because then I think it is obviously sending the wrong message. Uh, yeah, you should suspend people in the playoffs. I don't. I don't know. I don't agree with the idea that. It's like, oh, you should let it go because the games are so important. No, add more drama to it for me. Take out guys because they fucked up. (laughs) And then see if their team struggles. A, it it lets them know, don't do that anymore if you want to be in these really important games. But B, it adds drama, which I think is what people want to see. So if a team, like, like Brooks Orpix sucks. So it's not like... The, the Capitals are losing a very important player, but they're still down a guy. So it can add an interesting thing. If it happens to be a guy who is more integral to his team's success and they're out, like what happened with um, Duncan Keith actually before the postseason. If those things happen, I I am actually much more interested in how the a team like the Blackhawks plays without their best defenseman. <laughs> Come on.
0: <laughs> and I think the idea that uh, the playoffs don't afford more, or like they're a little bit more lenient, that just leads people to take unnecessary risks. Yeah. Or, like, unnecessary plays. And that's not what you want. Exactly. Like, because everything is a little bit faster. Everything's a little bit more aggressive in the postseason. I totally understand that. But if you're also, like, doing that with guys who are like, well, you know, uh, maybe I'll just get a fine. Or, maybe like, maybe I'll play just, like, a little bit looser because Because
1: mm-hmm. you can get away with it. I'm not going to get suspended.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. You can get away with it. So, it makes it more dangerous. It's kind of crazy. I don't think that
1: that's what should be happening. Yeah. I think more suspensions if they deserve them. <laughs> let's go. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that is an interesting facet of like that series that I was not expecting. And I thought it would be intense, but I am kind of surprised by some of the, the hits. Um, let's see. Oh, let's go back for a second. Just to say in the first round, I was super excited when the Blackhawks lost to the Blues in Game 7. <laughs> yep, It was amazing. Yep. Was that was awesome.
0: a really good game. Love that game. <laughs> love that series.
1: I was stressed out because the Blues went up too and then like let the Blackhawks tie it. But then they went ahead again and they kept the lead. And I've loved every quote from a Blackhawks player that's like, this just doesn't feel right. I can't believe that we're not still playing. Cry more. I love it.
0: <laughs> um, that was, yeah, that was a good series. Yeah, that was really cool. And and also the Twitter Things that happened around it, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, with with the n- internet
0: phenomenon, <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: internet phenomenon. Tony X, who I think's username is Solo yep. City, Solo U City. Um, he has gotten a lot of notoriety for happening. He said he was tuning into a Cardinals game, and then, but hockey happened to be on, so he watched forty five seconds of it, and he was sucked in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which is amazing. I love that. I mean, he went. He ended up going on, like, Good Morning
0: America or yeah. something like that over this whole thing. Like, I think that initial tweet about uh, white people hiding <laughs> <Yeah>. hockey <laughs> <laughs> um, was, like, to be tweeted, like, tens of thousands of times. It's amazing. Um, which is amazing. And then, of course, there was responses from the St. Louis Blues, and then like Reebok got in and got him like a jersey yeah. and Luongo, of course was like let me get up on this <laughs> right. and I it like was Vladimir just Tarasenko fantastic. being
1: like you should wear my jersey. Yep. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko was amazing by the way. I also loved that in the handshake line at the end of that game, he hugged everybody. <laughs> He was like, let me gently cradle my enemies, actually.
0: Yeah, it's kind of fun because in the handshake line, you, you and I, I love the handshake line because you you see who are, like, who's friends or, you know, things like that. Like if they've played together on, like, a national team or, you know, back in the day when they were in juniors or something like that. Um, so that's always fun to see, but Vladimir Tarasenko does not care, he is <laughs> <Yeah>. hugging everyone <laughs> regardless.
1: Yeah. It's a cuddle time for him <laughs> with every person. And it, it was like interesting to watch him do it and like see the guys behind sort of all realizing that he was probably going to hug them as <laughs> well. <laughs>
0: And having to prep for that, right. they're like super pissed about the fact that they just lost a game seven. Right now, this um, hug is coming you at know. you, <laughs> and now, I, like, and you can't really hate him, right? Right, right. Vladimir Tarasenko is lovely, um, so you can't be like, "Fuck you, dude!" Like you mess, you're like, "Ah, oh, okay, I'm gonna take this." And hug. You're just forced <laughs> yeah. to hug him, which is great. It it was it's amazing. Man- that's a fantastic strategy. Yeah,
1: I loved it. It was pretty genius. <laughs> Amazing job by Vladimir Tarasenko. I hope he gets to do it again. Um, I mean, I have nothing in particular against the Stars, but I am down for if they lose and Vladimir Tarasenko continues to hug every person who has lost yeah, to him.
0: Me too. <laughs> um, that Stars, the Stars Wild series was series was awesome as well. Str- um, yeah,
1: strangely,
0: it was way better than I thought it was going to be because mm-hmm. after the first game, when the Stars beat the wild, what was it, like 4-0? Yeah, or it was something like horrible. Like, oh, yeah. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, it's going to. At the beginning, I was like, ah, the wild limped in. It's going to be a sweep. Um, I thought that the stars were just skate circles around them. Amazing. But it ended up being pretty exciting. Like a lot of crazy back and forth games. I feel like every time, uh, like at the beginning, I didn't necessarily like actively watch the games. It was always on between, you know, other right, games right. I was paying attention to. But you went and you're like, okay, the stars are up, you know, one to zero. Turn back. Two minutes later, wait, it's the the wild are now up <laughs> yeah. two one. Uh, what
1: just happened there? And just like the back and forth, and it was really, it was a really good series. The game six seemed like it was going to be disappointing because the stars went up a lot of goals really early in the first period and sort of maintained dominance through the second. And then in the third period. Lettenin, I think, was it Lettenin who was in goal or was it Niemi? I think it was in. Um Decided that he was going to be a little bit of a disaster. And suddenly the Wild pulled so close and like they had tied it at one point, right? Then Devin Dubnik let in the worst goal of his life. <laughs> Somehow. Oh,
0: that was the funniest thing.
1: <laughs> Which was just oh, so unfortunate. Good. Because then by that point I'm like, well you have to force Game 7 now. You have to do it, you just tied it. Come on! Um, but then they gave away, you know, gave away that horrible goal, which ended up being the game winner. Come on! Um, so much <laughs> drama in that series. So much weird drama.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun though. Yeah. I loved
1: it. Yeah, um, I was surprised that the Islanders beat the Panthers. That was a surprise. I was to too. Me. Yeah, the back of John Tavares in the clinching game. Um, mm-hmm. Also, after they were eliminated, the Panthers basically indicated that Willie Mitchell had told the team in January that he was going to retire. So he is not officially retired yet, but it seems like... He also had that tweet,
0: like... Oh, I had no idea that I retired, right, right, yeah, like after all, like linking the e s p n article that was written, and he's like, "Uh, but I haven't yet. right,
1: <laughs> yeah, he is not of officially retired, but the team seemed to indicate at one point, and then I think some of the tweets got deleted, but it seemed like the team indicated that he was pretty much done, so we will see if that remains true or if he tries to come back or or you know whatever. it's a tough decision. He's had a number of concussions, he had the knee injuries or whatever that the Kings Kings fans are super familiar with. So um, if he is finished and it might be the best thing because protect your brain, it's, I don't know. I'm glad that Willie Mitchell played for my favorite hockey team and won two championships and um, then managed to find, you know, become captain of and really bond with this other team who seems to respect him and love him a lot. I, he's had an awesome career. So if it's done, it's okay.
0: This is a pretty like nice way to end things. Like, I mean, I know they got out in the first round, but I don't know how much you necessarily expected
1: right right um,
0: from the Panthers, they also had an amazing season mm-hmm. um, and part of that, I think, was the leadership that Willie Mitchell brought, like obviously a, a lot of other players like Huberto and all them all them were like really on top of their game, but also I think Willie Mitchell helped that. Um, so that's not a bad way to like end as like some great mentor to like a a burgeoning team um
1: and that's really cool yeah i think it's something to be proud of so so yeah if it's done i'm you know i'm thankful that willie mitchell contributed everything he did to um my experience as a fan and and to the teams that he was on and i hope uh i don't know i hope that he has fun fishing and eating really good food because that's what he seems destined for
0: (laughs) gonna say it's like i hope he takes more pictures of him holding fish um spending lots of time in vancouver and at eating and eating at delicious like farm to table restaurants
1: (laughs) basically it seems like retirement is gonna be very dope for him if that is what is next so i'm not mad at it great job (laughs) um in the penguins ranger series um i don't think anybody expected anything other than what happened in those games to happen. Like, I think everybody knew the Penguins were going to win that series. But I do want to mention Dan Boyle in the locker cleanout oh, video yeah. <laughs> where he straight-up told two reporters to GTFO. That was amazing.
0: I, I like, kind of have mixed feelings about that. Um, I mean, not really because it was pretty amazing, but that I also feel kind of bad. Even though th- those guys were, like, antagonizing him, like, all the time. Right, yeah. Uh, it just seems... Yeah, he just really didn't give two shits anymore. He, he was like, Fuck it. i I'm done. Not. You guys
1: get out. He was You're fed terrible. up. <laughs> Which I understand. I think I would feel bad if it seemed like he was randomly lashing out at two beat reporters. Um, because it's like I get it, you guys are out, it's tough, but please come on, don't disrespect anybody. But I think this is one of those situations where context totally matters because if those guys have been like he you know, he was like you he was called out the fact that they basically were gunning for him all season and wanted to tear him down and so he he, at this point it's like i don't have to respect you you have not at any point shown any respect for me so i'm kind of like you got what you deserved you were asking for it you probably (laughs) loved it that he is showing you all of this attention right now (laughs) so
0: way to stand up for yourself dan boyle um that was great
1: yeah yeah that was amazing so um thanks to dan boyle for that moment (laughs) the ducks Sad, <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah. At least they had more postseason wins than the Kings, but they had fought to win the division and then lost another Game 7, which resulted in Bruce Boudreaux getting fired.
0: Like, almost immediately, too. Yeah,
1: there was no hesitation.
0: Oh, that's kind of, It's weird to say. I mean, I have no huge Ducks fan, even though that one commenter at one point accused me of being <laughs> yeah. a Ducks fan. Ducks fan, <laughs> um, Diane. <laughs> um it's, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I, I thought that the Ducks would win.
1: Me too. I thought they were going to win friends. that series. I did, I was scared for them when they couldn't clinch in game six. I was like, well, they should just put it away. And then they couldn't. And I was like, well, you know, you let a team come back like that and, and basically give them an opportunity to take the series from you. Be careful. And that's that's what happened. And they lost another game seven. And I think well, I think ultimately it's just luck that, has, like, Bruce Boudreau as a coach unable to win Game 7s, that the Ducks have been the last four seasons, they have gone out after going up 3-2 in a series and then losing all of those series in Game 7. That sucks! That is some terrible luck. They haven't all been in the same round, but it has all happened the same way when they do finally meet their end. So they gotta figure it out somehow and unfortunately now it's cost them their coach and they gotta hope they bring in somebody who is as good as Bruce Boudreaux, who I legitimately think is a really good head coach. Uh,
0: Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt that the second he was fired he was immediately like reached out to about other coaching positions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where he land. I am also bummed because I was hoping that somehow When Daryl Sutter decided to retire, the Kings could have Bruce Boudreau, even though I know that's kind of unrealistic, because (laughs) what the hell is Davis Payne's job (laughs) other than watching Daryl Sutter head coach so he can be head coach one day? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But part of me was hoping, and it seems it is not meant to be.
0: Yeah, probably unlikely. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm curious to see where he falls. Hopefully it's a team that I want to watch play games, or or maybe he'll make whatever team it is into a team that I want to see play games.
0: I have a feeling he's going to Canada. Yeah, which, you know, have fun, I guess. (laughs) Have fun in Canada. (laughs) More like good luck with that, I think, is more the... uh... (laughs) <laughs> the way that I would go yeah good luck with those teams
1: yeah I think um I mean he. I think he'll he'll do a lot of good for whatever team he ends up on a lot of people have said probably the senators I think it would have been amazing for the Canadians if they had decided smartly to get rid of Michelle Therrien and somehow decided to hire a coach like Bruce Boudreau I know they're very particular about the coaches they hire, but maybe you should at some point just do the smart thing. <laughs> um, but so far they've decided they're going gonna—they're not going to do that. They're going to do the opposite, actually.
0: They're going to just make sure that their coach can speak French, but maybe not be able to coach their host. <laughs> right,
1: yeah. Cool. Um, Reasonable.
0: Totally Totally the way you want to go with that priorities, one.
1: priorities, IMO. <laughs> From, okay, I guess moving on to the second round really quick. The series, like this has started, do you – who do you think are going to win those series?
0: I am still rooting for the Penguins. Me too! To win against the Capitals. Um, and I feel... I don't know why I feel bad about saying that, but I do. <laughs> yeah. um, I would like the Penguins to win. <laughs> um, the So that's where I stand on that particular series. The Islanders and the Lightning. I can honestly say I do not care very much about these two teams. So... I'll let you put in your decision because
1: I have no, like, bearing either way. I would like the Lightning to win because I think they're the better team. However, in the first couple of games, or maybe for the first game and then half of Game 2, they didn't play very well, which is weird because the Islanders are not a very strong team, and yet they looked super strong against the Lightning. So that, I think, is an interesting series in that it is turning out to be a little more wide open than I expected. I really like the Lightning, but but I don't I don't really have like a second favorite team. So even when I like a team like the Lightning, and I don't if they lose, I'm not gonna care that much. <laughs> if that makes sense, yeah. like I, I yeah. like it when they succeed, but I also don't really care if they don't succeed. But I am rooting for them for this particular season series just because I think they're the better team overall. Um also I agree about the, the Penguins Capital series. Like for whatever I feel super like weirdly guilty about being yeah. like I'm rooting for the Penguins, but that's who I like, want to win the series.
0: There are a couple of ex Kings that we like that are on the Capitals, Right. And yeah. that, you know, should be a point in their favor. There's Alex Ovechkin who hasn't won a cup and very much deserves one. Right. Who, you know, that's another point in their in their favor. Um they did so well during the season, you know. Right. And that should probably be part of, uh, like, like into the fact that they should win that series. But I'm still on the side
1: of the pain. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I don't know. I mean, it's almost circumstantial or just like. Just the result of, like, I want to see the Penguins in the final. So in order for them to make the final, they have to beat all these other teams on the way. Which (laughs) means, by default, (laughs) they got to beat the Capitals. And I'm sorry to the Capitals. But it's got to happen. It's got to happen. happen.
0: (laughs) I like how we both feel guilty about it. Like, we we talk about, like, the Kings are my favorite team. Everyone else... Certain teams, certain players that I root for, but ultimately do not really care if they end up losing. Right. But yeah. I do feel guilty that I'm rooting against the Capitals. At the yeah,
1: because it, it just feels like if, if, if they're finally going to get past the second round and legitimately have a shot at the Stanley Cup, it feels like it should be this season. So it just feels kind of wrong to root against them. <laughs> Like yeah. <laughs> if it's your time, shouldn't I be about it? Like being your time and you realizing that potential. But I'm like, but you could also not.
0: But I could also want the Penguins to go <laughs> right. all the way. Yeah. So that's fine.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Caps. We're rooting for the Penguins. <laughs> the Stars Blue series. I am torn.
0: This I is am um, too. I want the Blues to win, actually. Mm-hmm. But I think the Stars might skate circles around them. Um the stars are really fast. I don't know if the uh, series against the Blackhawks maybe took something out of the blues. I don't know. It didn't seem that hard for them. Right, right. Um, so maybe they're fine and they can, you know, play that, like, really brutal physical game and stop that. But I'm also afraid that the stars will just be too quick and too fast for them and too too scoring, <laughs> if
1: that makes sense. You know? I It's... Uh, the Stars Blue series is a little bit like what I imagine a King Star series would have been like if that had right. happened. Um, and I think the Blues are super capable of winning the series. But for me, it's actually not even like – I don't know if they lost a step because of all the physicality of the first round. It's more like they had the emotional high of beating a team that has caused them so much trouble in the postseason – Can they maintain that level of commitment, basically, um, in subsequent rounds? And I think that is the test for them, or will be the test for them in this series. And I'm curious to see if they can live up to it. Because, I mean, for the Kings, I think, and for fans, like, when they beat the Blackhawks in the Western Conference Final, it was, it felt like winning the Stanley Cup. Right? oh yeah so oh, yeah. everybody knew that's were how, i win. feel like
0: that's that's how it felt for everyone yeah like everyone was like hailing that entire series like oh my god it was so good like all of it was so great oh oh there's still the same.
1: <laughs> right? there's still another round there, there's
0: still another round
1: that was not the end of it and the kings did like in those games go down a little bit but i think they were still able to obviously they had they, they were so close at that point that it's like obviously you're gonna you're gonna play well your best for the final, Um, and they did. But can you imagine if, like, they had managed to be the Blackhawks in seven games in the first round somehow and then had to face, like, the Ducks, the next series or whatever? Like... That was crazy. Um, and so I, that's what I wonder if the Blues, after having that kind of emotional high, does anything even compare in rounds two and three before they get to the emotional height of a that's, final?
0: That's fair enough. That's true. Like the the mental, like the mentality behind it, too. Because it's yeah. not like they have a ton of experience, you know. So how will they handle it? But right. I'm, I'm rooting for the Blues, even though, uh, like, that's what I want. But mm-hmm. what I think is that Dallas might pull ahead, but I'm kind of we'll see. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think I think Dallas. I'm not counting Dallas out. I think they absolutely, like you said, they they score a lot of goals and stuff. And I think if their goaltenders are even slightly stronger, they can absolutely close out the series. Uh, but I think, I th- yeah, I think I'm rooting for the Blues too. I think I mean, once you beat the Blackhawks, I'm like you got to go all the way, dude. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you got to just. They're another team where I'm like you've now carved out this lovely narrative for yourself you've already like fulfilled this amazing part of your destiny by slaying this dragon in your life you gotta take yourself all the way at least give yourself the opportunity to win the stanley cup
0: okay well on like a similar way what do you think about sharks predators do the sharks have that the sharks have beat the kings and they have slayed that dragon that has you know brutalized them for the past few playoff
1: seasons yeah Is it their time to go? I think it could be. And I I mean, I think that's also why I want to see like a a Sharks Blues Western Conference final, because I mean, I don't really want to see it. I don't care about the Sharks. But in terms of narrative, um, Sharks Blues will be a battle of, like, who has both... Who has the skill, and I think this, the teams are both very skilled, but who has the will, basically, right? It's like you yeah. you both have an opportunity to make some history for yourselves. Um, who wants it more? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think that would be pretty interesting. So I think, I think the Sharks also were a team who could if they keep up that emotional level and stay... Like, they were... I mean, the Kings were bad in that first series, but the Sharks were also playing really strong, so... Yeah. If they can maintain that sort of hot streak, they have a shot, I think, of, of going to the final, um, and I want to see it happen, but but who knows? Yeah, it's like, there's some question marks. And the Predators, I mean, nobody is expecting them, I think, to win the series against the Sharks, but nobody expected them to win against the Ducks, so are they going to, like, lay down and let the Sharks kill them, or will they make it frustrating? Interesting.
0: See, my thing is, is that as, as cool as that would be to see the Blues-Sharks Western Conference final... I am also maybe a little bitter and do not want the sharks to have good things. So I would like <laughs> right, the predators yeah. to beat the sharks. <laughs> against against all, you know, odds, I would like that to happen. And That's, then have yeah. the blues preds play and then I have no problem saying, Blues, I hope you win. And right. Then right. blues pipped like a blues penguins final is what I would like to see.
1: Yeah. Like don't don't get me wrong. I'm not rooting for the Sharks. I would love to see them go out <laughs> early. I, like, of the two teams with the potential to let their emotions, like, slip a little bit in the second round, I would enjoy it much more if it was the Sharks. And <laughs> they had a second round exit against the Preds. That would be so good. But um, but I do think they're a good team also, so it, it's yeah. it's possible that they continue on. But I would, I would it, love for them <laughs> to lose because I'm petty as hell.
0: Exactly. I'm like... <laughs> I know that the Sharks will probably win. They are objectively the better team. Right. I can see that. I I have that vision. Like I'm I'm fine with saying that. But also, um, real bitter and real petty <laughs> yeah. and I would like to see
1: them lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And the first game game one seemed like it was pretty close until yeah. the third period when they scored a couple of empty netters and then it kinda didn't really matter, but um, so, so I think it could be an interesting series. Like the Predators could make it a b- very tough for them. Who gets the last lap? Is it the Sharks or is it us? <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's us. The big question mark. Oh man. <laughs> uh, cool. So, so I guess that means we both want like a Blues Penguins Stanley Cup final. Who in the final do you think would win, if that's what it turns out to be? I think the Penguins. Me too. I think the Penguins got to get Sidney Crosby his second cup. <laughs> it I'm honestly,
0: I'm, I'm only really working out my Stanley Cup playoff feelings, like, right now with you right? on this podcast. <laughs> like, as we sit here and go through all of it, I'm like, all right, what are my feelings? And I'm like, oh, I think I want the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> like, I'm just finding these things about myself right now. <laughs>
1: I think I said to, to some people, like, yeah, I would like to see the Penguins go to the final, but not really feeling it. And I realized watching yeah. game two against the Penguins and the Capitals, where the Penguins were dominating for two periods and then got tired. And it seemed like the Capitals could somehow go up two, two games to none in the series, where I was like, this cannot fucking happen the penguins (laughs) have to win they have to win this series they gotta go to the final and i realized i was super invested
0: (laughs) exactly it's it's one of those things where you think you're not going to care and you do and you're like oh it's all making sense i actually like
1: i actually do care quite right yeah i have a stake in this weird (laughs) uh yeah so that is what we're hoping for Uh, the penguins win the stanley cup final um make it to the stanley cup final and then win it and, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if we'll do other podcasts talking about the playoffs. We might if we feel inspired. But overall, yeah. Kings are done. We'll keep an eye on what they do in the summer. We'll probably record maybe midsummer once they start making some moves, maybe after free agency. Uh, but otherwise, it's been a season, another season of thanks, bud. And we'll be back. Uh uh-huh. hmm as always, we will be back in the fall to do this yes. madness all over again.
0: Man, we were so worried that we were going to have to do so many podcasts for playoffs. Yeah, and right. That did not happen.
1: <laughs> Kept it pretty short. So in terms of workload, <laughs> um, we we're going to be
0: <laughs> we're going to be just as rested uh, right? as the Kings for next next season. Oh man!
1: And then hopefully they make that one a long one, and yeah, you know, get. I, hopefully they win the cup in 2017. Let's go. Let's, let's go let's all
0: this season is not even over uh, yeah. and here we are prediction Los Angeles Kings with the Stanley
1: Cup 2017 <laughs> done dropped typical Kings fan just overconfident but Kings versus I'm trying to think of uh, who they're going to play Um, I think obviously it's going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs when Austin Matthews becomes their saver and somehow they oh win my gosh. Okay. all the game I am I'm into this I am so into this
0: Kings versus Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup Final <laughs> 2017.
1: Oh, uh, Anyway, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess we're going to head out. Um, take care of yourselves, everybody. Thanks again for listening all season. Um, hopefully we can do a lot more stuff next season as well. It's been fun, as always. Uh, be good to each other. We'll catch you next time, whenever that is, friends. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.